Today on the Apron Bump, we are on the road to WrestleMania in 2001. Kurt Angle is the WWF champion. Stone Cold Steve Austin is the Royal Rumble winner. S.A. Rios is there. And so is Haku for some reason. This is the hardest part of the ring. What's going on, everybody? This is your boy, hardest part of the ring. Back at it again. This time, today, we are here to talk about No Way Out 2001. At this point in time, WWF was uh, at, a, at a peak of the Attitude Era. Some may say towards the end of it. Some may say right in the middle of it. But whatever the case may be, this is a great time in wrestling right now february 25th 2001 we are fresh off the heels of royal rumble 2001 which i have actually already done a review of in the archives if you haven't checked that out please do but royal rumble 2001 was a tremendous show as i've said it was probably my favorite royal rumble of all time both the show itself and the royal rumble match itself and we are Fast approaching WrestleMania 17, which is also probably my favorite WrestleMania of all time. So you got my favorite Royal Rumble, you got my favorite WrestleMania, and right smack dab in the middle, you have No Way Out, which for some reason, I don't think I've actually watched this show since it aired originally. Maybe like once after it a long time ago, but I honestly didn't remember a lot about this show going into it. I mean, you have um, the show is basically structured around uh, Triple H versus Stone Cold, right? They've had that huge, huge rivalry where Stone Cold got hit by a car, which, yeah, it was Rikishi driving it, but ultimately they pivoted and structured the story, basically saying that Triple H is the one that orchestrated that hit on Austin. So, in kayfabe here, Triple H took out Stone Cold for over a year. So, Austin, that's that's a built-in motivation for Stone Cold to get his revenge on Triple H. Not to mention, you have Stone Cold retaliating by picking up Triple H in his car with a forklift. So, Triple H is in his car. Stone Cold is in a forklift. Stone Cold forks forklifts Triple H up in the air, like 20 feet in the air, and then drops it upside down, virtually killing the man. But Triple H was able to retaliate, come back, and ended up costing him the WWF championship. Triple H costed Austin the title. Austin then costed Triple H the title at Royal Rumble 2001. So it's basically we can't progress until the other one is eliminated from the equation. So that's all been building up to this event. 
to their two out of three falls match, their three stages of hell match. And uh, man, it was a good one. This whole show is a pretty good show. Um, I don't know if I would put it on the on the tier of a Royal Rumble 01 or a WrestleMania 01, but it's a damn good show. And there's uh, a lot of good, um, interesting characters at this time. Um, a lot of good, uh, good matches, good storylines. I mean, this we all know this period of time in wrestling is like the golden era, right? At least as far as I'm concerned. For a for for a 27 year old man watching who grew up during this period, it was uh, it really tickled my pickle to go back and watch his show. Um, but yeah, this period of time, man. I mean, you know, early Attitude Era, like 97, 98, 99. A lot of that. I mean, we we look back on that that time period fondly. But that uh that little section of time, that era, so to speak. It's filled with a lot of like, okay, here's the main event. We're going to put a lot of time and energy into building this main event. These these two or three different stars. And then the rest of the card, oh, no, we'll, we'll figure it out. Fuck it. We'll figure it out the day of. So you had like a, a really well-built story in that last match or in that top program. But then everything else is just kind of like very skippable, very... uh low build, not a lot of structure to it, kind of hodgepodge and things. Um, you know, whether it's like the IC title getting hot potatoed or if it's uh tag teams getting put on the back burner or those mid, those mid low card guys, like barely getting on the show. You had a lot of that in the early attitude era, in the early attitude era, but here in 2001 and in like most of 2000 WWF is really, really picking up steam and is really putting together top to bottom cards. You know, you have, you still have that strong main event presence, but you also have the tag team titles becoming much more uh, sought after in this period. Cause you have to remember this period of time is when the Hardys edge and Christian and the Dudleys, you know, you have the, that, that, that uh, triangle of teams who everybody always associates with the tag titles in this era, right? This is that this is that prime period where all those guys are fighting each other. And of course, we're making our way towards WrestleMania 17, where those guys have that historic TLC match. But um have some of that action here at No Way Out as well, which we'll get into. So you have the main event stories, you have the tag teams, uh Intercontinental Championship. I mean, we we just saw that that Jericho versus Benoit ladder match at Royal Rumble. You know, you still have Jericho and Benoit involved in the title scene, as well as you, you got Eddie Guerrero, you got Billy Gunn, you got X-Pac, you got a bunch of other guys involved in it, and um, a lot more prestigious matches coming up in the future for that championship. But, you know, weird to think that, you know, you know, if, if, we're, to, if we're in February two, 2001, that Intercontinental Championship is... Uh, vacated like in a year right something like that so it's kind of weird to think about even though it's such a sought after title during this period but yeah all the championships have their place even the hardcore titles i mean it's it's kind of less of a uh random well i wouldn't say that it's still like pretty like chaotic and weird backstage segments involving the the the, the title but uh it's it's really entertaining during this time and i think they're uh, kind of other than like Steve Blackman, I, th- I thought Steve Blackman with the title was like my favorite period of it. But right now, Raven is the champion, and then 
you got a bunch of good shit happening on this show and at WrestleMania for that. So all the titles have their prominence, have their place as well as, you know, you got like the Trish and Stephanie stuff. You got Lita becoming a huge star. You got China still involved. She's about to fade out pretty soon, but right now she's still red hot. Um, lots of good things at the XFL is, is running red hot. Yeah. Um, good stuff all successes is what i'm trying to say here in uh in february 01 but we're here to talk about we're not talking about just the the, the year in general we're here to talk about no way out 2001 emanating from las vegas nevada on february 25th 2001 and uh just one more thing like about this pay-per-view i love how it's like royal rumble no way out and then wrestlemania you don't have royal rumble roadblock Roadblock, end of the line, elimination chamber, fast lane, super showdown. You don't have like 12 shows in between Rumble and WrestleMania. You have one major pivot point in between the Rumble and WrestleMania. You have one major roadblock on that road to WrestleMania. But then everything else is building towards that big show. That that first quarter period of the year is dedicated to WrestleMania. And it's dedicated to putting on the best card with the best stars possible and the greatest storylines possible. And that's what made WrestleMania 17 so great. Um, but yeah, man, with that, let's just get right the fuck into it. Um, it's unnecessary cursing. I'm sorry. First match, the WWF Hardcore Championship is on the line. You have uh, Raven versus The Big Show. Man, it is... Uh, I guess they just had nothing for the big show at this point. I mean, that's kind of like, unfortunately, the story of his career. You know, he kind of just was a utility guy to fit in wherever uh, he was needed. Um, kind of contributed to him not really um, becoming, you know, I mean, obviously everybody lo- knows the big show and he's very respected in the industry. He had a great career, but he never really gained the steam that he should have based on the fact that, you know, his, he was very uh, directionless a lot. Like he was a uh, a top babyface when he like in two thousand, and then he got injured, came back as a top heel. Now he's in the hardcore division, and he's kind of middles around the IC title. Like I don't know, man. He kind of just fit in wherever he fit. But for hardcore championship's sake, it was kind of a cool story here because like you have similar to the twenty four seven title where everybody's kind of like chasing the, the the champ to try to pin him but you have big show involved and like who's going to take that guy down right you know and then big show with all the weapons and the just throwing people around backstage and whatever dude that's that i forgot how funny that was um but right here you have raven versus the big show in a hardcore title match naturally they they fight for like a minute and then uh people start interfering so first you have Crash Holly interfering for for some reason he's dressed as like a popcorn vendor with a mustache I don't know why um, he could spin himself people interfere in matches he didn't need to sneak in um, I actually thought it was I thought it was Spike Dudley at first because uh, he like took Raven and did the the Dudley dog like the the spinning bulldog from the turnbuckle. I was like, oh, wait, shit, is this where Spike Dudley debuts? But it wasn't. It was Crash. Um, Then Hardcore Holly comes in and Steve Blackman comes in. 
they kind of work together to beat up everybody else until uh i think like steve blackman goes for a cover and then hardcore holly just wallops him with like a trash can lid or something um but everybody ends up like working together to eliminate the big show because of course he's a giant he's the the biggest presence he has to get taken out before anybody else can win um but ever as so they they take down the big show hitting them with a litany of weapons just beating the shit out of them and then everybody starts fighting each other after that right and then as everybody is fighting the champion raven is down billy gunn swoops in gives him the famouser wins the title out of nowhere billy gunn is your hardcore champion um but then big show was is having none of it beats everybody up just takes out everybody and has as he's beaten up everybody raven comes back and then pins billy gunn for the win i guess billy gunn was like taken out by uh big show choke slams billy gunn then Big Show gets distracted by everybody else, and then Raven swoops in, gets the pin on Gun, retains his championship again. Not to be outdone by the Big Show, however, because he's still around. Big Show then finally grabs Raven, chokeslams him through a trash can, gets the pin, gets the win. Your new hardcore champion is the Big Show. Um, very interesting, to say the least. That title looks hilarious in the Big Show's hands. It looks like a goddamn like pocket watch. But, uh... I guess it gives them something to do. Gives them some uh, opportunities to smash little men with uh, trash cans and uh, put people through windows and uh, light people on fire, etc. Good little match here, I guess. It was a good way. It was a, it was a funny way to open the show. But um, yeah, it was what it was. It was entertaining. Love that shit. Next match. The WWF Intercontinental title is on the line. A four-way match. It is Chris Jericho versus Chris Benoit versus Eddie Guerrero versus X-Pac. I mean, you just look at the guys involved in this match and you know it was a, it was a damn good match. Um, story of the match is pretty simple. I mean, Eddie and X-Pac were both injured real life. Um, I don't know exactly if Chris Benoit, or sorry, if Chris Jericho was the actual reason they were injured but i believe they were both injured in matches with chris jericho so the story here is that chris jericho took both these guys out and uh they're both looking for revenge and chris benoit and jericho had had a months-long rivalry in the process so there's a natural natural heat there between those two so pretty much everybody in this match hates jericho they all want the title but they're all kind of getting in the way of each other winning that title um so the match kicks off here. Uh, crowd was into this whole match, like from st- from start to finish. I think that really enhanced the match. I mean, probably added like a half star to it just based on the crowd alone. Um, and that's a testament to how hard these guys worked and uh, the way they were able to uh, tie together a match. Even though four ways can be clusterfucks a lot of the time, these guys uh, really, really capitalized on the opportunity and made a made a good match out of it. Um, you have Eddie and Benoit. At this point, they're still like in the radicals, even though they're kind of all doing their separate thing. But there's still uh, a, a unit there between those two. So they're kind of working together for like the first half of this match. Uh, but of course, that all disintegrates eventually. And then uh, those two start 
fighting each other. And man, it's like when watching these old shows, a lot of the time, a lot of the times it's really sad because uh, it's almost like I like play a game with not a game, but like I do this thing where like I, I count how many segments have somebody that's not with us anymore. And almost almost every segment, every match has some at least one person that is dead. And, uh, and I mean, obviously, this match had two of them. But that being said, it is sad at times. But at the same time, it's awesome to watch people like Benoit and Eddie wrestle. Like I, I sometimes I don't sometimes I I don't think I appreciate how how good they were. And this match really exemplifies that just how smooth they were, how. Um, they were, they were able to pres- preserve the realism while still being really smooth and athletic with it. Um, it's an art that not a lot of people grasp to that level. And uh, it was just a true pleasure to watch those guys work again. And uh, even watch it X-Pac wrestle again, because obviously he's not really in the limelight anymore. So it was good seeing him. But this is like the, probably the highest on the card he ever got, you know, just by himself, right? Other than uh, I think he had like one WWF title match with The Rock like in 99. Um, but at this point, X-Pac is on his own. There's no DX, no nothing. It's just him. And this is like right before X-Factor forms. So he's still got a uh, a spotlight on himself, which is cool to see. And Jericho is Jericho. He's always he's always the man. Still is to this day. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, this match, you have Eddie and Benoit working together. They start fighting. Everybody's kind of like getting their shit in. There's not a lot of like uh, not a lot of downtime in this match. A lot of lot of action throughout. Um, match ends with everybody basically hitting their signature moves. You got uh, Eddie's down, and then uh, I believe it was X-Pac hits his spinning heel kick on Benoit, and as X-Pac is like pandering to the crowd after that kick, Jericho rolls him up in an O'Connor roll, sick pin, gets the one, two, three out of nowhere. Chris Jericho, your Intercontinental Champion, retains here. Um, Great match. Can't say it enough. Speaking of great matches... You know what's on deck? Stephanie McMahon versus Trish Stratus. Now, you say you can say what you want about these two. A lot of people say Trish is overrated. A lot of people say Stephanie is awful. I'm not here to dispute any of those claims. However, outside of her, of her bad acting. Stephanie McMahon was a great heel back then. It's like really cringy to watch her, like how she talks in like these promos and these backstage segments because the acting is terrible. I mean, pro wrestling is what it is. Like this, it's not exactly known for for uh, Oscar worthy Oscar worthy performances. But man, Stephanie was just egregiously awful. But I say all that because. Going into this match, I didn't expect a lot. Like, like I said, I, I don't, I haven't seen this match since probably it aired originally, so I, I had no idea what to expect here. But this match was so much better than it had any right to be. I mean, the feud was hot. I mean, people wanted to see this match. This is a, a very different time. Uh, women's wrestling was not the thing that it is today. People didn't go in expecting a five star classic. They just wanted a goddamn cat fight, and it's. 
That's pretty much what I expected with this. I expected a lot of uh, rolling on the ground, a lot of hair pulling, a lot of uh, a lot of really bad working punches. But man, this was a match. This was this is a more of a just a pure wrestling match than a cat fight, as far as I see it. I mean, honestly, I'd put this match. I can't think of another women's match in this period that was this good. Like. Going through, because I started going through this Attitude Era binge like in 98, right? So from 98 to this point, I can't think of another women's match that was as good. Um, not, not, <laughs> there's not a lot of competition, believe me. There's a lot of like the cat versus fucking Terry in a brawl and panties mud, mud match in a cage or whatever. I don't know. A lot of stupid shit happening, so they didn't have as exactly a high bar to meet. But this match is very, very. Uh, this is a very, very passable match. Um, you know that there are some things they they can smooth the edges on a, a bunch of things, but they were doing like moves. There, you know, Stephanie threw out a power bomb. You had Trish bumping her ass off. Like there was some good shit in this match, man. I uh, I liked it. They were laying their stuff in. Um. Crowd was really into it, which is all that matters. And the uh, so the premise here is Steph and Trish are fighting to to establish who is the dominant female in WWF. And obviously, you have Steph is the daughter of Vince McMahon. And at this point, Trish and Vince kind of have a thing going on, but it's kind of unsaid. And Stephanie kind of sees that, and she's really pissed at Trish because of it. But Trish, Trish is trying to get influenced by, you know, snoozing up to Vince. And it's a whole, it's a whole, it's a comedy of errors, I like to say. Um, so that's, that's pretty much the build to this match. The match is what it was. It was pretty solid. And then uh, towards the end of the match, both women are down. And then William Regal comes out. And at this point, you know, Regal and Vince are kind of buddy-buddy. Um, Vince kind of gives Regal the task to make sure, quote-unquote, that he does the right thing. Um, Regal comes out. He doesn't know what to do. So as both women are down, he kind of grabs us, Trish, pulls her on top of Stephanie for the pin. So And then he leaves the ring. Ref comes to. The ref was down too, I guess. So the both women are both women were down. The ref was down. Regal comes in, puts Trish on top of Stephanie. Regal wait. Regal wakes up the ref. Ref starts counting, and before he hits one, two, and then Regal has a switch in conscience and puts Stephanie's foot on the rope, stopping the pin, robbing Trish of the win. So Regal gets back in the ring. Trish is pissed at him. Trish then slaps Regal. Which uh, really uh, uh, tease his crumpets or whatever they say over there. And um, Regal gives her the fucking Regal cutter right in the middle of the ring. It looked awesome, by the way. Like I said, Trish knew how to bump. Um, so just Regal lays her out, pulls Stephanie on top of her. One, two, three. Stephanie McMahon gets the win over Trish Stratus. So at this point... Regal's pretty happy with himself, right? I mean, before he was kind of conflicted, like, oh man, do I help Vince's daughter or do I help the the girl that he's uh, having coitus with? 
So that's the kind of struggle that he was having. But now it's all clear to him. So he lays out Trish, gives Stephanie the win. Backstage, though, Regal runs into Vince. And Vince is pissed. Vince did not want Regal to do that. I guess Vince wanted uh, Trish to win. So to solve this on Raw tomorrow night, it is going to be Vince McMahon and Trish Stratus in a tag team match versus William Regal and Stephanie. Daddy's little girl versus daddy. Oh my puppies. Anyways, next match is the match that everybody probably came to see at this point. And I'm surprised. I'm, I'm very surprised actually that, that this was not the main event. Uh, Triple H versus Stone Cold Steve Austin. Three stages of hell. Now, if you're not aware, this match is a two out of three falls match. The first fall is just a regular wrestling match. One, one-on-one singles match. The second fall is a street fight. The third fall, if necessary, JK, it's always going to be necessary, is a steel cage match. Um, I posted this on my Instagram. I really loved uh, the choice and matchup for this because basically Triple H won the right to name the stipulation, right? So you got to think, okay, what is he going to choose to make it make sense in the context of this feud? So, I mean, this is like a, a years long buildup at this point. So it has to be something big. Um, I mean, you could do like hell in a cell or something, but we've already seen that uh, pretty recently at this point. So yeah, I think it was Armageddon. They had a hell in a cell match, which was like two or three months earlier. So they couldn't do that. Um, so Triple H's logic in choosing this match was that the uh, the first fall was designed to break Austin's spirit by beating him in a match and proving that he's the better wrestler. The second fall, the street fight, was designed to break Austin's bones with weapons, etc. And then, uh, if necessary, the third fall, steel cage, that's just the classic Nobody gets in, nobody gets out, blow off feud, gimmick match. It's the old school way to do it, and I love it. But, um, so yeah, great build up here, as I mentioned earlier. Um, good choice and matchup. I like how they decided to go with the WWF title to main event the show. The, the traditionalist in me likes that, but at the same time, like, you definitely could have made an argument for this match to main event the show, but. Regardless, great match for what it was. Um, so this match starts out hot, right? So you have you have to understand that in the context of this time period, right? So in the build to this match for like the month before, there was a zero tolerance policy enacted by Vince McMahon, which basically stated that Triple H and Stone Cold could not touch each other physically until this match. So no matter what happens. You know, no matter, uh, you know, for example, Stone Cold on Raw gave the stunner to Stephanie in the middle of the ring and Triple H couldn't do shit about it. To retaliate, Triple H gave the pedigree to Jim Ross, Stone Cold's friend, in the middle of the ring. Austin couldn't do anything about that. So you kind of had this kind of tension building, which is really awesome, I thought. I thought, um, 
because you know you everybody wanted to see this match and basically that the consequences if one if one guy were to touch the other stone cold would have lost his wrestlemania main event that he earned at the royal rumble and uh triple h would have been suspended for six months so there was a lot on the line if one person were to touch another and uh, obviously we wouldn't have uh gotten this this match here at the pay-per-view so there's the cool there was a cool level of tension and build to this match and it all culminated to where triple h comes out first he's standing in the ring and then the glass breaks stone cold comes out walks down to the ring and right before as before he gets into the ring he takes his vest off he doesn't do the four corner deal like he always does he wanted triple h's ass right then right now they they let it breathe they let that moment breathe where they kind of stare at each other down where trips is in the ring austin is right outside the ring austin runs in the ring and they just go right at it this, it's like a it's like a thing people have been waiting for for over a month and uh they were giving it to him and they were doing an awesome job at it classic attitude era style stone cold match um a lot of brawling a lot of uh outside offense um you kind of got triple h working on the neck of austin because he had a, a real real life neck surgery recently um neck breakers knees to the neck um you have triple h or you have uh, austin kind of just doing his, his typical Austin thing. A lot of, one thing I will say about this match, and I guess it's, it's just something I didn't notice about Austin back then. I mean, we all know he's kind of known for like calling stuff in the ring, but man, this these motherfuckers were loud as shit. I don't know if it was this match in particular or if it's just something I was hyper-focused on for some reason, but man, you could tell these guys didn't really have much of a plan because <laughs> they were calling everything so fucking loud but either way it was it was fun to watch um first of all you know nothing super groundbreaking happens um ultimately triple h is on the second rope about to give uh austin a double axe handle or something austin counters with a kick to the gut stone cold stunner one two three stone cold gets the first fall one to zero stone cold second fall begins as it's a street fight so like right away, I like like right away they go to the outside, and I believe it's a Stone Cold that gives Triple H a suplex on the ramp. Uh, they begin fighting all around the ring. They go into the crowd for a little bit, um, come back into ringside, uh, start fighting around the announce tables. Uh, Austin hits Triple H with a TV monitor. Looks stiff as fuck, by the way. And they start fighting on, on the tables. Triple H. Uh, Looks to give Stone Cold a pedigree through one of the announce tables, but then Stone Cold counters it into a backdrop, sending Triple H through the Spanish announce table. Dios mio, mamma mia, donde esta? So a lot of chaos going on. Um, then you start having weapons get involved. You have Austin throwing a bunch of steel chairs in the ring. Um, Triple H believe uh a, a barbed wire two by four comes into play um people so yeah a lot of uh, a lot of chair shots a lot of uh grinding the barbed wire on each other's faces both these guys are bloody steel steps everything you can think of these guys are hitting each other with and everything look man you talk about looking back at a different time well, all these headshots are scary to watch nowadays but it was made for entertaining television let me tell you 
So we're still on the second fall. Both guys are bloody. Both guys are spent. Triple H is on the outside of the ring. He like crawls over to the English announce table, <laughs> reaches under the announce table. And what does he have? He has a sledgehammer. And uh, <laughs> it was like a, uh, there was like a, a hilarious interaction between JR and King when he did that because he pulls it from out under the table, right? Triple H does. And then King goes, JR, did, did you put that under there? And JR's like, no, God damn it. I, I, what are you, you dumbass? I didn't put it under there. And he's like, <laughs> and King's like, why, why, why are you helping Triple H for JR? And it's like, it's the whole thing. Love the banter between those two guys. I really miss them uh, being partners. But anyways, Triple H has a sledgehammer, which ultimately leads to the win for Triple H. He hits Stone Cold with a sledgehammer and then gives him a pedigree. One, two, three. Triple H wins the second fall. It is now tied one to one. And what do you know it? We get that third fall, that steel cage match. So uh, both guys are, like I said, they're both bloody. They're both fatigued. They're both hurt. So they're both kind of selling on the mat as the cage lowers. Cage lowers. Both guys get up and get right back at it. A lot of, uh, because the chairs are still in the ring. The barbed wire two by four is still in the ring. Um, now they're throwing each other into the cage, grinding each other's face into the mesh. Um, the more barbed wire spots. Um, you have that, that elbow that Stone Cold does like into the forehead of his opponent, but he does it with the barbed wire two by four. I looked really brutal. A lot, lot of really, really entertaining brawling here. You know, at th- th- this period of time, you don't see a lot of finisher kickouts, but I was surprised to see that Triple H kicked out of the stunner and Stone Cold kicked out of the pedigree in this match and this third fall, which is very surprising to see. Back then, you would lose your mind if somebody kicked out of a finisher, which is a, uh, a concept that I wish would return to modern-day wrestling. But nonetheless, good stuff here. Match comes to an end, the finish of this match. Austin has that 2 by 4 wrapped in barbed wire. Triple H has a sledgehammer. They're both on opposite corners of the ring. They both stumble into each other, hit each other with their respective weapons. Stone Cold goes down first. Triple H goes down second, but Triple H luckily is able to fall on top of Stone Cold and gets the one, two, three. Triple H is your winner. Crowd can't believe it. Woo, doggy, what a match. Good shit by both guys here. I mean, these are two of the, um, when you think of top babyface and top heel, you don't get any more synonymous with that concept than these two right here in this point in time um tremendous stuff tremendous character work by both guys and uh, a cool finish here um it was able to get triple h the win able to build his credibility and going into wrestlemania but also kind of make it has like a fluke kind of feel to it so stone cold is, isn't uh tarnished at any in in any way at this point so because you got to remember austin He's the Royal Rumble winner. He's going to main event WrestleMania no matter whether or not he went, he won that match or not. So they're kind of uh, building Triple H to whatever he's going to do at WrestleMania while keeping Austin looking strong and providing a definitive end to the Triple H and Stone Cold rivalry. Good stuff all around. You know, I'm kind of thinking, just like I, thought, like, I didn't really plan on talking about this, but I kind of wonder 
what would happen if they kind of drag this feud to WrestleMania? I mean, Austin and Rock is what it is. I mean, that's a legendary feud in itself. I'm kind of like wondering, would it, would, it, would it have been better if it was Triple H versus Stone Cold at WrestleMania for the title? You know, maybe at No Way Out, you have Triple H beat Kurt Angle and then you have, you know, Stone Cold and Rock do whatever. Maybe have them face each other at No Way Out or maybe just have them do different things entirely. I mean, just think about that. If Triple H or if, uh, if Stone Cold were to turn heel, if, if everything happened the exact way it did, Austin turns heel by aligning with McMahon, right? What if you put Triple H in that spot instead of The Rock? I think people would have ate that shit up. And then you, you wouldn't have had that two-man power trip, obviously. But uh, I think that could have been very interesting. I don't know. Maybe I don't know if it would have been better, but it definitely is a cool thing to think about in hindsight. But like I said, good match between these two. And now I know what you're thinking. Hardest part of the ring. How does one follow a 45-minute match like that? A 45-minute match that has been built up for a year between WWF's two biggest stars. How do you follow that up? Well, here's my answer. Stevie Richards versus Jerry the King Lawler. Winner gets cat. Yeah. Um, So we got right to censor, right? And now... To be fair, these guys are as, uh, they got pretty much more heat than anybody. I mean, this is a time period, this is a time period where people just wanted tits and blood and beer and, and butts. Like, that's all people wanted. They wanted that blood and guts, man, and they wanted those tits. And, uh, Jerry Lawler was fighting a good fight for the fans here. Um, right to censor. So basically, you have Cat, right? Who is, uh, I believe Jerry Lawler is married to at this point. I'm not sure. But Right to Censor is looking to stop Cat and all of her scandalous activities. Because basically Cat at this point is a nudist or exhibitionist or whatever you want to call it. And Right to Censor is looking to put a stop to those dastardly acts. Jerry Lawler is going to be her knight in shining armor. And this match between King and Richards, if Jerry Lawler wins, Cat gets naked. If Stevie Richards wins... Cat joins the right to censor. So, huge stakes involved here in this match. Um, Jerry Lawler comes out for some fucking reason. He's wearing a cheetah print singlet. I guess because he's with the cat. So, I guess it's like cat print. I don't know if I would have picked cheetah print. Um, But, you know, you do you, Jerry. You do you. Um, So, the match is what it was. Um, It was uh, a lot of Jerry Lawler beating on Stevie Richards. Kind of giving the crowd what they want. But, ultimately... This match comes to an end when uh, Ivory, a member of the Right to Censor, she introduces a her women's championship title belt into the match, tries to hand it to Stevie Richards to hit King, but uh, King ducks and starts to fight back, and then uh, there's a scramble happens, and then uh, Jerry has Stevie Richards in his clutches, and then Cat grabs the title, looks to hit Stevie Richards with it. But then Stevie Richards ducks and hits King in the head, knocks him clean out. Stevie Richards gets the pin. Stevie Richards wins and the right to censor wins because they now get the services of Cat. Whatever that means. Um, Fun match there, I guess. I don't know. 
That was silly. Uh, next match. The WWF Tag Team Championships are on the line. You have a, It's a three-way tables match. So you have the Dudleys, who are the champions, versus Edge and Christian, versus The Undertaker and Kane. Um, I do not remember Taker and Kane being involved in this kind of storyline here, but it was, uh, it was interesting to see, um, the brothers of destruction were kind of established as like the dominant ones in, in this feud. Um, cause obviously both of these guys, just their size and their presence at this time, combined with the fact that those two have been involved, like in the main event storylines at this point. So they had the most credibility going behind them and they have the most momentum, um, so basically the story of the match is these two guys dominating throughout, right? You know, there's little periods of time where they might get knocked out of the ring at some point, but for the most part, Taker and Kane are, uh, just molly these guys. Um, not putting anybody through a table, however, just kind of beating the shit out of them. However, during the course of this match, the tag team of Rakishi and Haku come out because they have a beef, a beef with Taker and Kane. What's that beef exactly? Hell, I don't know. But they got a beef. So, Rikishi and Haku come out. And they start fighting Taker and Kane. And they kind of start fighting up the ramp. So, basically, Brothers of Destruction are taken out of this match at this point. So, now all you have is the Dudleys and Edge and Christian. Um, Dudleys kind of pull a 3D out of nowhere through a table onto Christian. Dudleys get the win here retain their titles and now we are hot on the course towards that TLC match at WrestleMania 17 which I have said before but that's probably my favorite match of all time in all of wrestling so excited about that I was always growing up the tag team titles were the thing that I like really focused on you know there you had your you had your Austin and you had your Rock and your Undertaker and your Triple H and all that, which is all great. And I was really invested in that as well. But to my core, I was a Hardy Boys mark. And anything that they were involved with, which was uh, typically the tag team titles, I was all for. And I was really, really had my, I really had my heart set on that stuff. So um, this match had uh, gave the Dudleys the titles. They retain their titles. You have Edge and Christian still in the, in the, in the plot. Hardys weren't on the show, but they'll be re-entered into the storyline very quickly. So um, good stuff here for the tag titles. I like that. It kind of got a, a big spotlight on this show. Um, and tables matches are always fun. What can I say? After that, you have the main event. The WWF title is on the line. Champion Kurt Angle versus The Rock. Now... Um, I said I was surprised at this main event of the show, not because these guys aren't talented, but the build to this match was kind of, um, I don't know, uninspiring, at least compared to Triple H versus Stone Cold, right? You know, you pretty much have Kurt as the cocky heel that he is, you know, he's pretty much a year into his career at this point and he's already established himself as a, as a big time champion. You got to remember he retained the title in his six way hell in a cell back in December of 2000. Um, you know, he beat Triple H at the last pay-per-view. He's been fighting Stone Cold. People like, um, he beat The Undertaker at Survivor Series. He's had, he has a lot of big wins under his belt. So he's kind of, he has a big head. That's basically the story here is that Kurt is probably getting a little too big for his britches at this point, maybe a little overconfident. Um, and he says that he's just a better pure wrestler than The Rock, which may be true. 
you know, he's an amateur, amateur wrestling uh, champion, uh, a gold medal winner, all that shit. Rock can't compare to that. But uh, The Rock is The Rock. And at this point, you can argue that The Rock is hotter than anybody. You know, Rock had a, a promo before the match, and you can just see he had the crowd in the palm of his hands. And uh, nobody could work a crowd like him. Not then, not after, not before. Um, the Rock was the man. He still is the man. What am I talking about? Um, but as far as the match itself, it was pretty good. I mean, it's it kind of an unmemorable match. Um, actually, you know, I take that back. It was memorable, but for not for the reasons that uh, they wanted it to be, I don't think. But um, so you have the match. The match is uh is pretty good. You have a uh, angle kind of utilizing his uh his resources. You know what makes him strong, and that's basically his amateur wrestling background. So he's throwing out a lot of suplexes, things that The Rock cannot combat, as well as Kurt Angle can execute. But then Rock kind of starts fighting back, kind of starts giving Kurt Angle some suplexes. Showing him that uh, The Rock can can hang with him just as well as Kurt can hang with uh, The Rock. So, pretty good match going on here. Towards the end of the match, you have The Big Show interfering. Big Show's music hits. Big Show comes out. Chokeslams both of them. Leaves. Why? Literally no reason. <laughs> I mean... It didn't factor into the match at all. I mean, he laid both guys out. I think uh, Kurt... So, Kurt got the first choke slam, right? So, Kurt was able to crawl over to The Rock and cover him. Rock kicked out. Rock then covered Kurt. Kurt kicks out. So, it didn't factor into the finish of the match at all. And uh, Big Show doesn't go on to feud with any of these guys. At least not at WrestleMania. Maybe there was like a one-off match on Raw. I forget. But it was just a weird... Uh, especially since Big Show was already on the show. Like, I can understand if, hey, we, we want to make sure people still remember the Big Show. Like, if he wasn't on the card, we want to have this this big character on the show involved in some way. Let's, let's get him involved. But he was already on the show. We already saw how dominant he is when he fucking beat the, beat the holy dick cheese off of Billy Gunn and Raven. And Steve Blackman, whoever else. But, yeah, weird, weird part of the match that I don't remember at all. Um, but even, <laughs> that's not even the weirdest part of this match. The weirdest part of, the, of this match happens afterwards when The Rock hits The Rock bottom on Kurt Angle in the middle of the ring, covers him. One, two, uh, <clears throat> Kurt Angle didn't get his shoulder up, but the ref Earl Hebner stopped counting. I guess maybe they had, uh, maybe there was a miscommunication on the finish of this match. Maybe Earl Hebner thought there was going to be two rock bottoms for the finish. Maybe Kurt didn't, maybe that is what they established, but maybe Kurt didn't know. Whatever the case may be, Kurt didn't get his shoulder up, but the ref stopped counting. The crowd was super confused. And then uh, (laughs) Rock just picks Kurt Angle back up. Gives him another rock bottom. Looks at Earl Hebner like giving him like a giving him the sting eye, like count motherfucker. Rock pins him. Earl counts one, two, three. The Rock is your new WWF champion. Now the stage is set, and that's basically what this, the the overall theme of this pay per view is to set the stage for WrestleMania. You have 
Triple H being built as a huge star. And he's going to go on to have a, a match with The Undertaker at WrestleMania. And now you have uh, Stone Cold, the Royal Rumble winner, facing the WWF champion, The Rock. Stone Cold, Rock, WrestleMania. Literally doesn't get bigger than that. Um, and I can't wait to rewatch that show and relive how awesome from top to bottom that card was. <coughs> Probably my favorite show, period, of all time, WrestleMania 17. But uh, No Way Out 2001 was also a very good show. Um, really cool to go back and watch some of the things that happened. Because, uh, like I said, I didn't really remember a lot about this show. So, there was some stuff I was a little in the dark with. But, um, interesting to say the least. Um, and with that, I think that about covers it. Um, sometime either later in March or beginning of April, I'll, I will be reviewing... WrestleMania 17. And uh, so keep an eye out for that. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much all I got for you guys. Make sure to uh, follow your boy on Instagram at the underscore hardest underscore part underscore of underscore the underscore ring. It's easy. It rolls right off the tongue. Or follow me on Twitter at apron bump. And uh, yeah, give your mom a kiss. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and I am hard.